Hi, I'm Kristen Howerton, and I blog at Rage Against the Minivan. And I'm Paul Martin, and I blog at Polisophia. And you're listening to Why Partisan, political conversation between two friends from different sides of the aisle. I'm a Democrat. And I'm a Republican, and we are both passionate political junkies trying to figure out how to have a civil discourse about politics. From social justice issues to the intersection of race, religion, and public policy, we're delving into all aspects of the political arena. This week, we're talking about Roy Moore and the evangelical reaction to the allegations brought against him. We're also going to look at Trump's criticism of Al Franken for similar allegations. We're going to discuss the attempt to repeal the individual health care mandate in the new GOP tax bill. And we're going to look at the connection between WikiLeaks, Donald Trump Jr., and Russia. Let's start with Roy Moore. Paul, what's going on here? So Roy Moore is in an election. There's going to be an election uh, in December for senator of Alabama. The reason there's an election at this point, it's it's a special election because Jeff Sessions was the senator of Alabama, but he is now the attorney general. And so this is a special election. Roy Moore won the Republican uh, ticket. And um, shortly after, uh, some women came out, and that list is growing by the day uh, of uh, minors that he apparently, allegedly, uh, harassed and made very inappropriate comments to. And he is digging his heels in as deep as, well, as deep as Donald Trump did when he had accusers come out. He is. So ha- let's have a look at some of the accusations that have been levied against him. Um, we have heard women, there are up to eight allegations at this point of sexual misconduct, um, ranging everywhere from harassment to attempted rape. One of these women said she was just 14 when he brought her to his home in a wooded area, kissed her and felt her up. Um, another woman shared a troubling story about um, when she worked as a waitress at age 16 He offered to give her a ride home, but drove her to a secluded area and sexually assaulted her. And he was serving as district attorney at the time. Um, There are a number of other stories like this. Um, Another waitress at age 16 um, asked out by him and was told, I go out with girls your age all the time. So, So this does not seem to be an isolated incident. This seems to be more of a pattern for him. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, it's a pattern, and we've talked about these things before, but there is no glory for any woman who comes out. Um, There aren't major book deals like some people presuppose. There aren't, you know, this is shaming and humiliating, and a woman is only going to come out, I believe, in these situations when there's viability. But when you start to see a bunch of them coming out, I mean, one of them, uh, you know, he denied any contact with, and she, he signed her yearbook as a 30-some-year-old man, her high school yearbook, uh, as a minor. And so, um, you know, here's my my thought on this issue um, is that the Republicans are afraid. This is my my two cents. The Republicans are afraid because uh, Trump's approval ratings are so low. Basically, you know, the country isn't really happy with the division uh, what we've all gone through in the last two years. And so they are desperately clinging on. And even, you know, in this case, you had Mitch McConnell come out, uh, who's the head of the Republicans, 
And he flat out said, I think Roy Moore should step down. Right. I believe the woman. So this isn't this isn't the Republican Party per se. It's this fringe part of the Republican Party, the Steve Bannon, Donald Trump part of the Republican Party that I believe are terrified. Um, and they're just going to do whatever they can to try and stay in power. But, you know, it's confusing to me, Paul, because it seems to me like if they want to stay in power, the logical reaction to this is just quietly pull him off, pop someone else in, anyone, right? Um, so the defense of him and the insistence that he stay in this race seems very odd to me. Well, but I think that's the question, like, who is insisting? And you have the head of the Senate for the Republicans, Mitch McConnell, saying, we don't want you. But then you have this other fringe, because he can do whatever he wants. I mean, no one could make him, no one can take him off the ballot. It's, you know, it's a state situation. Sure. But, of course, the leader of the party is Donald Trump. And Donald Trump ain't saying nothing about it, to use some fun English, because he can't. He has over 16 women who have come out and accused him with great specificity. And this is this doesn't include the things we've heard him brag about on tape, nor does it include comments he's very famous for. And so you have this really unique situation where all of this is implicating Donald Trump more than it is more. Yeah, and it's it's been a curious reaction from both the, you know, the GOP. I mean, the Alabama GOP has maintained their support for him, but it's also been another real head-scratching reaction from evangelicals many of whom are also supporting him and i'm i'm confused as to why is this is this just that same old marriage of evangelicals blindly following whatever the gop says or is it that there's you know some allegiance to him because he himself is an evangelical i mean we talked about this in our last podcast with reza aslin and and we're scratching our heads as to why somebody like franklin graham who tweeted Today, at 11.22, and I quote, The hypocrisy of Washington has no bounds. So many denouncing Roy Moore when they are guilty of doing much worse than what he has been accused of supposedly doing. Funny play on words, accused of supposedly doing. Shame on those hypocrites. And so I have no idea what Franklin Graham, who is nothing like his father, is thinking. I... I all I can imagine is this idea of we need a senator because of a future potential Supreme Court justice. Uh, the the governor of Alabama, the, the woman said, well, I believe the women, I believe the accusers, but we need Roy Moore because we need a conservative mm, Supreme Court justice. Right. And so it's this, we'll have a pedophile as a senator, no problem, who abused women as mm -hmm. long as they vote correct. Yeah. Correctly. Well, and, and Moore tweeted this two days ago, um, which I think is a very kind of um, persecutory thing to say. He says, we believe in God, the Constitution, the sanctity of life and the sanctity of marriage. We are everything the Washington elite hate. They will do whatever it takes to stop us. We will not quit. And, you know, this is just more of that same kind of sentiment that we've heard from others where it's this sort of us against them. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not that I'm going to address any actual substantial claims. I'm just going to say that this is an elitist problem. Mm -hmm. When at the end of the day, a married man yeah. 
in many of these cases, um, but even prior to that, um, a much older man preying on young women is antithetical to mm-hmm. Christianity and the sanctity of marriage. Yeah, and I just I think these Republicans, this branch, this fringe, this cult of Republicanism knows it's on its heels that they have their base, they have their base, they have their whatever thirty percent, um, but they are afraid and they're going to dig in as much as they can. But you know, you have the head of the Senate saying, "We don't want you." Um, you know, these are. I'm a Christian. I am a former Christian pastor with a few decades of experience in Christian ministry, with a graduate degree from a one of the most conservative evangelical seminaries in the country. As a Christian, Judge Roy Moore's actions are reprehensible Absolutely. and sick. And there are millions like me, but these loudmouths on the far right, you know, are going to keep defending Roy Moore. But I think they're going to lose. Well, and Roy has Roy Moore has said that he did date teenage girls, but he got permission from their moms. So he's trying to make it look like it's not a big deal. It's kind of a cultural thing um, that he's dating younger girls and that there was nothing untoward about it because he had permission. But here's the thing. We live in the United States of America, where we as a society have collectively agreed on a certain age at which it's appropriate for an adult to date a child. And he is well below that age. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here is a person who is working in the law who thinks he's outside the law, who thinks if I have permission. I mean, there is no I I, I work in child protective services. You know, I've I've been a licensed therapist and a mandated reporter for many, many years. There is no caveat for it. Well, I had a permission slip from the mom. Right. That's not how that works. Yeah. What he has done would be reportable. Yeah. And the strategy amongst many of these peoples is to, these people, this, I say, fringe group, is to wrap everything around God and Christianity. And persecution. And persecution. That is a rally the troops call. And it used to be the Democrats who were persecuting, but now it's anyone who disagrees with us. It's even the Republicans who disagree with us. The elite. You fill in the blank. So essentially you have a situation where we can do whatever we want and be a pedophile. And if you disagree with us, we're just going to pull out the persecution card and make this about how we have this noble cause. And, you know, the the allegations are, are just, you know, Becky Gray is one of these women that that came out and she said that she met more at a mall where she worked at the time when she was 22, he was in his mid thirties. Gray said that more repeatedly asked her out and that she consistently turned down his advances. She went, got so bad that she complained to the manager who told her quote, not the first time he had a complaint about hanging out at the mall. So, I mean, in the case of Roy Moore, it's just vulgar and gross and disgusting. And predatory. There are, it's predatory. It's the key word here. Yeah, predatory is the key word. Yeah. And the, the, to any men that would defend this, I just I just think you are the same. Yeah, I need to be careful. I just think it's vulgar to not side with the women. Yeah, I, well, I completely agree, especially when it involves minors. You know, I think... Um, yeah, I don't I don't get it. And, you know, we've got our president who has not called for him to step aside. Um, he has not commented on it. Um, Sarah Huckabee has refused to comment on it. Until today. Oh, okay. is that right? Well, I missed it. Well, did she well, comment on it? Trump did indirectly. You know, that he commented on Franken. Well, true. 
So are we going to... Well, let's, let's yeah. shift there. Okay, so, okay, sorry. So in the midst of, you know, I mean, and, and this is not happening in a vacuum. We have seen over the last several weeks this sort of, you know, kind of a, an uprising of, of women and victims mm-hmm. um, talking about their experiences. Um, it started with Harvey Weinstein, and it just continued with women coming out and talking about times they've been preyed upon, particularly in moments where there was a differential of power. Mm-hmm. So... The man was in the power seat, whether it be that he was district attorney or the producer of their movie um, or, you know, in the case of, for example, um, Louis C.K., where he was, you know, in a position of power of just like in the industry that they wanted to work in. Um, So but we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a lot of women coming out with this. And so someone did recently um, speak out against Al Franken um, and there were two two scenarios that she talked about with Al. One was they were doing an act together on a USO tour. This was, um, you know, when more in his comedian milieu. Um, But apparently he called a rehearsal for a kissing scene that was unnecessary, that she felt very pressured by. And then during the kissing scene, he kind of like, you know, kissed her very forcefully in a way that was very uncomfortable for her. Um, but then the other thing that happened was at some point she was asleep, um, on the tour and Al took a jokey photo of himself looking like he was grabbing her boobs. And I don't, you know, it's difficult to tell by the photo if he's actually making contact or not. Um, I'm sure he laughed that off and there were other people present. Um, but nonetheless, it was an inappropriate joke that did not have her consent. Mm. And so she has spoken up about those two incidences, um, with Al Franken. Um, he did apologize for his actions, calling them inappropriate. He wrote a letter that she actually read live on The View, and she seemed satisfied with that apology. And what's fascinating in this situation that transpired yesterday and the day before is that just like Moore, a woman comes out, she says this guy was inappropriate, Franken apologizes, but even more importantly than that, the head of the of the D- Democrats, Chuck Schumer, the head of the Senate for the Democrats, uh, said we need to open a full investigation into this matter. Uh, and then you have the victim now coming out and saying, "I'm satisfied. I uh, right. I accept his apology. Uh-huh. I think it's genuine. I don't think it really reflects who he is as a human being." And so we have this partisanship, which is the cancer on our country. And just an example of it, a recent poll by uh, YouGov uh, asked Trump supporters about the credibility of sexual harassment, about the sexual harassment claims. And here's the result. Trump supporters, did Bill Clinton uh, sexually abuse women? 84% of them said yes. Did Harvey Weinstein? 74% of Trump supporters said yes. Did Bill O'Reilly? 18% of Trump supporters said yes. Did Donald Trump abuse women? 6% of Trump supporters said yes. Well, but here's the cognitive dissonance with that, as you and I just sat here and, you know, seemed to feel a little more dismissive of Al Franken's allegations than Roy Moore. And is that because we're, you know, tend to be more supportive of, of left? Or is it because they are substantially different allegations? Well, to me, the difference is that Franken came right out. Uh-huh. And there's there's a world of difference between that situation 
and Roy Moore, Donald Trump, and Bill O'Reilly, all of whom deny, hide, smoke screens. I mean, Trump still, Sarah Huckabee uh, uh, Sanders was asked, what's the difference today, I think, in the press conference? She, she said the difference is that Al Franken admitted it and Donald Trump didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess as long as you just deny, then you didn't do it. Just like Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. I guess Bill Cosby did nothing because he denies. Yeah, but I also think, you know, I mean, I would I also I also think there is a substantial difference in the nature of their behavior where one felt more predatory and one sounds like a guy being a douche. I see. Okay. But yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Um you know, and and I will say this for the record, I mean, I think if Al Franken is called to step down, he should step down, you know. Um I mean, personally, I think Bill Clinton's actions with someone who was working and, and, you know, kind of under him. Um, I think that is a lot more troubling, um, to me than Al Franken. I, I think probably Bill Clinton probably should have been removed from office because at the end of the day, she was an intern. Right. And again, there's that power differential where you're preying on someone who relies on your goodwill to get what you need. Yeah. And that's concerning to me. And that is, you know, that predatory, um, differential is absolutely true with any adult and child mm-hmm. um i i don't feel like al's is quite as it, it's it's super inappropriate right and it's sexual harassment right no doubt yeah but still it doesn't answer the trump supporters only thinking 18 percent of them thinking what bill o'reilly did was wrong he settled over 20 million dollars of sexual harassment suits and yet yeah. only 18% of Trump supporters believe that he did anything wrong. Well, and he Donald's settled... is, is literally on tape. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Grab him by the pussy. Yeah. That's on tape. Yeah. Um... <laughs> and same with Harvey Weinstein. But we live in this polarized country um, and too many scream too loud when it's the sins of the other party and too many are too silent when it's the sins of their own party. And that is sad. And if I was a woman, I would have been marching too because... At the end of the day, the issue is none of this bullshit. The issue is the women, yeah, <laughs> who were, you know, who were preyed upon, yeah. by powerful men, and were scared and didn't know what to do or where to go or who's going to believe them. And it's just it's epidemic. Yeah, and so Trump's response on Twitter, which is where you know he oh. responds to things, um, he says the Al Frankenstein picture is really bad. Speaks a thousand words. Where do his hands go in pictures two, three, four, five, and six while she sleeps? Mm-hmm. So he, you know, I mean, and I will say, I look at that photo and I think, I think it's inappropriate. Yeah. But I also think it is a junior high joke where he looks like he's going to grab her boobs. There are other people in the room. There's someone taking the photo. It doesn't look like a, an attempted rape. Um, nonetheless, it's completely inappropriate. And, yeah. you know, it happened when he was a comedian before he was a Senator. But if, if, you know, the powers that be or, general public decide that's enough for him to step down i I support it but nonetheless um you know he's trying to make this sound like a much graver yeah scenario than it is um and yet he's on tape talking about grabbing women by the pussy yeah and just i mean and hasn't addressed that and hasn't addressed roy moore right and he can't i mean donald trump is in big trouble i mean this is we're going to get into russia but this is on the same level of russia because we have this you know this um 
watershed moment as a country where women are just saying we're done and they're coming out almost daily, right? Louis C.K., Al Franken, uh, uh, Roy Moore. And the pink elephant in the room is Donald Trump's history, decades of history of uh, objectifying women in different ways. And so I, you know, and, and just this tweet, Kristen, you know, Trump finally decides to say something, but he doesn't say anything about the Republican senator who has uh, eight or nine allegations against him. He decides to say something about the Democrat, Al Franken, but he calls him Frankenstein, which he spelled wrong. Um, but Republican, to my Republican friends out there, we could do better than this, right? We have a president calling us it's not funny like anybody who thinks saying frankenstein like i I know junior high kids that have more decorum than that and this is our president yeah it's gross it's really gross i mean i i guess i would say about all of it i do think that and and it's interesting because al franken said the same thing um which is why I, i tend to you know perhaps be a little more forgiving but he said we as men have had to really face our own actions, mm-hmm. really question the things that we've considered to be appropriate before. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's true. I think we're in a reckoning right now. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of men are having to look at what have I done. And I think a lot of people in positions of power are having to look at the intersection between power and sexuality mm-hmm. and to understand that, you know, your responsibility is much greater when you are dealing with your sexuality with another person who is relying on you in some way. Absolutely. And, you know, we talked about previous presidents before, but boy, the days of whether you agree with his policies or not, just Barack Obama, there was none of this stuff. You might, you know, you might even think he's a Muslim for goodness sake. But when it came to his wife and his kids, above reproach, when it came to George W. Bush and Laura, you might be on the left and think that they did all kinds of horrible things, uh, you know, but there was really no question about his character. And we are in just the, the dangerous times. And I, and I think that march is significant, Kristen, because it was organized by a group of women who, in response to Donald Trump, in response to his decades-long history of being a playboy, a misogynist, things he said. Everyone in New York City and beyond knew what kind of man he was. And then on top of that, there were the uh, allegations. And these women, they just went and said, you know, and all these women that marched, I would assume, have stories, either direct or indirect, of men who had violated them in one way or another. And, you know, as as a reaction to Donald Trump's person, I think you have this groundswell uh, of of rage. And now these women are actually saying, you know what? I'm coming out. I am going to finally, you know, people say, well, why didn't you say anything 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Because it was too hard. You get thrown under the bus and you have this swell of women coming out now saying, I need to tell the truth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I think that it is scary for a lot of men but I think it's empowering for women. And I do, I, I do think it's good that this is happening. And I do think it's good that everyone take a step back um, and look at their own behavior. Well, let's let's shift for a second and talk about this um, this new disclosure 
about WikiLeaks. So, you know, we're in an ongoing investigation as to whether or not our president of the United States um, aided and abetted Russia or vice versa in getting him the election. Um, and the most recent news to come out is that Donald Trump Jr. had multiple conversations um, during the campaign with WikiLeaks. And if you're not familiar with WikiLeaks, it's an anti-secrecy group. It was founded in Iceland um, by um, Julian Assange, and they are the ones who released stuff about Hillary. Um, they are, you know, they're kind of about finding, they're doxing people. That, that's what they're about, finding and releasing information. So there were communications between them and Donald Trump Jr. via instant message on Twitter. Um, they were making suggestions to him. He was thanking them. Um, they had suggested that um, Trump release some of their emails to them so that they could release them, kind of like a, a backdoor deal. Um, and then shortly thereafter, Trump released the emails himself. So he did seem to, you know, maybe heed some of that suggestion from them. So why this is interesting hmm. is because, you know, there's connection. This could be a triad. Hmm. This, you know, Trump's administration, WikiLinks and Russia could have all been in cahoots together mm -hmm. and working together. And the fact that he was answering them at all. Mm -hmm. is concerning. And he was asked about it. Um, again, Donald Trump Jr. was asked about it in a closer interview with the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he admitted to it. And then some of their um, some of their correspondence was leaked. And I think what we're learning here, too, is that some of these leaks from the Trump campaign have been intentional and purposeful. Mm -hmm. On both sides. And yeah. this Russia thing, um, you know, I am active like Kristen is on social media and again it's interesting how yet another partisan issue where the far far right Trump supporters believe it's a bunch of BS like Trump tells them it's a hoax oh we got to remember too Trump's trip to Asia where he met with Putin last week and said Putin told me over and over again that they didn't do had nothing. They had nothing to do with hacking our elections. And Trump said, "I believe him. Mm -hmm. Why would he lie to me?" Mm -hmm. And so we have this fringe part of the Republican Party that wants to say this has much to do with nothing. But unfortunately, we have these thorny facts, and there are at this point hundreds of them coming out. It's not a conspiracy. It. You know, Trump's ambassador to Russia, John Huntsman, who Trump just appointed uh, his opening statement to the committee that approves him to be ambassador, uh, Huntsman, who is a decorated patriot, said there is absolutely no doubt that Russia interfered with our election. That's also been said by virtually every member of Trump's senior staff. Um, and so other than Donald Trump himself, um, this is an issue that's not going away. Right. It's a cover-up. Uh, they are not doing everything they can to comply. They are dragging their heels until they are caught mm -hmm. and brought in. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot to come. There is a lot to come. There's a lot that remains to be seen. I think people, you know, I've heard some people who maybe don't really understand the judiciary process say things like, well, if they would have found something, we would know by now. This is going to be a two-year process yeah, at I mean, least. And Watergate was, and that's how these things work. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that's one of the th- things that many people on the far right, uh, that's differentiated from just classic conservatism, but people on the far right say, they've been searching for over a year and they've found nothing. Right. Well, well, well how do you know that, number one? <laughs> but number two, it's not nothing. It's like, not, are you looking at the news? It's not nothing. Yeah. And then there's there's now news that this Papadopoulos guy was more involved. This thing's not good. And, you know, remember, Kristen, when we first started talking about it maybe six or eight months ago, we had questions about, you know, whether anybody in Trump's inner circle knew about it. Yeah. Well, there's no question about that anymore. No. I mean, this is his eldest son who yes. has an email that he released mm-hmm. where Russians are saying, can we meet? We have dirt on Hillary. Yeah. These aren't speculations. These are facts. Right. And I don't care how supportive you are of Donald Trump, how much you hate Democrats. These are facts and yeah. they are being sifted through a very sophisticated system of some of the best patriots we have, prosecutors in our country. And if there have been crimes that have been committed, uh, it's going to be a bad day for Trump. I agree. Or whoever in his cabinet and circle, inner circle. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting to watch unfold. All right, so um, the last thing we want to talk about today is that Republican centers have recently added a repeal of the individual health care mandate to their new tax bill. So again, man, Republicans, they are obsessed. <laughs> they are obsessed with dismantling, you know, the, the Affordable Care Act. And this is the latest, and so they're kind of trying to slip it into a tax bill, which is kind of insane. Um but, you know, they're trying to overhaul the tax bill, um, which is problematic in and of itself. Um, but, you know, it just, I don't know. It's It just, it seems underhanded. It seems desperate. <laughs> like, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't repeal anything. And they're like, damn it, we will somehow. Right. Maybe you won't notice it if it's, you know, written here in the tax bill. Um but, you know, I don't I'm not even really sure that this tax bill is going to do very well. Yeah, it goes to the Senate now yeah. and we'll see what happens with it. But, um, you know, this is complicated stuff and m- most people don't understand tax law. It's so complicated, the whole system. Uh, Republicans generally think we need to pay less and billionaires need to pay less. Democrats generally think that um, we should pay for the services that help us out and uh, how this thing gets fleshed out. I think the one thing that really bugs me about this bill, two things, they decided, you know, one of the big ideas that the people on the right, and I agree with this, uh, we believe that it's through robust business that the economy is successful. And we have a corporate tax rate. If you're a corporation in this country, you pay 35% to the federal government. This tax bill reduces that to 20%. So basically, corporations are going to have more money to hopefully hire more people and invest more and grow the economy. That would have been fine by itself. But what they decided with this tax bill is to mix in personal income tax with it. And so it kind of gets muddled. And one of the things, like Kristen was saying, she, you know, they added issues regarding health care, but they're, they want to take out this, um, 
this benefit called CHIP, which basically it stands for Child Children's Health Insurance Program. And it's basically, it, it provides low cost health coverage to children and families that earn too much money to qualify for Medicaid. So you can imagine you're a family living here right in our area mm-hmm. and you're hardworking, but you earn less um, uh, less than $43,000 a year. So you, you have a job, mm-hmm. but to pay full, you know, to, to pay for health insurance when you could barely pay rent, right. there's this thing called CHIP, which basically allows children to have health uh, subsidized health coverage and they want to get rid of that and i think where that gets to me is what about these kids they they haven't done anything wrong i know and dad's working you know in waste disposal and you know there could be a hundred different circumstances a single mom dad leaves here she is trying to raise kids she's working all the time but she can't pay that bill so right these two-year-old children need coverage well and here's the thing you know these children who are uncovered, um, what's going to happen is they're still going to be, they're still going to need care. They're right. still going to land in emergency rooms and hospitals across the country. And we're still going to pay for it. Yeah. We're just going to pay a lot more for it because it's, you know, I mean, these kids need preventative care, just like yeah. everyone else. That's the standard of care. And it's, I just think it's super gross to try to take away insurance for children. Like, I don't, I just, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand. I mean, I'm all for, um, yeah, I'm all for trying to find ways to, uh, grow the government and reduce taxes. But when it comes to children, you know, I, I just, in some ways I'm sick and tired of my party, the Republicans being known as the party of assholes. Yeah. Like, why are we going after these children? Yeah. (laughs) And giving tax breaks to multi-billionaires. It doesn't make sense. To what me. do you think are the chances that this tax plan, you know, is going to it's going to see any success? Well, I know there's at least one Republican senator, Rob Portman of Ohio, for different reasons isn't keen on it. He isn't keen on the way that the corporate tax rate is structured. Um, but, you know, there are going to be a lot of there was a super heated exchange yesterday between Orrin Hatch uh senator from Utah and a um, Democrat senator, uh, forgot his name. I just, his, uh, I know his name. I just, I'm forgetting it. But Orrin Hatch was livid. And Orrin Hatch is, you know, one of these stately, uh, you know, very calm gentleman senator. And he started yelling uh, at the Democratic senator. And he basically said, I'm sick and tired of you Democrats basically shaming us. I grew up in a lower middle class home and I'm sick and tired of you guys saying that we don't care about people. I was one of those people who was lower middle class. And then the Democrat uh, responded and, you know, they were like yelling at each other in the Senate, uh, which doesn't happen. It was in a a hearing. And at one point, uh, the Democrat said, "Um, what about Chip? And Hatch didn't say a word. Yeah. So he was using this kind of Hatch yeah. as a Republican was using this kind of real abstract argument. Yeah. Like, I'm tired of you guys saying we don't care about the poor. I'm sick and tired. I was like that as a kid. Yeah. And um And that's you know, that's to me what is so problematic about so much going on with the Republican Party. Their stated ideals do not match 
facts and behaviors. And, you know, that's important. That's important in personal life. That's important in politics, that your stated ideals match your behaviors and the facts. And, you know, I hear Republicans saying, like, we care about the poor. We, But, you know, at the end of the day, this tax bill would give large tax cuts to millionaires and raise taxes on American families that earn between $10,000 to $75,000 a year, which is most of us. Right. Which is the middle class, lower middle class. Um, those are facts. Right. So you can't say, nope, we champion the poor, and then your behaviors right. are different. You uh, can't say, we believe in the sanctity of marriage, and then your behavior or the people you support are different. It just it doesn't match up over and over and over again. And w- what I don't get is why it isn't both and. So that's why you know I call myself a, ra- sure. a raging centrist, because sure, let's give tax breaks to people, but let we don't have to throw children off of healthcare in the process. You know, like, it doesn't have to be both. Uh, Hatch said, uh, I, I come from poor people and I've been here working my whole stinking career for people who don't, who don't have a chance. And I really resent anybody saying, I'm just doing this for the rich. He said, give me a break. And Sherrod Brown, uh, you know, was responding, but eventually Sherrod Brown, uh, said something about this chip, uh, reduction and Hatch wouldn't have any part of it. So. Got it. All right. Um, well, I think that's it for the week. Yeah. So. <laughs> All that uplifting stuff. Yes. <laughs> we should feel encouraged. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. We will link to some of our favorite articles on all four of these topics at whypartisan.com. Um, check us out there. And when you're there, make sure you subscribe so you can catch all of our latest episodes. We'll see you next time. Be sure to subscribe to Why Partisan on iTunes and check us out on the web at whypartisan.com. A big thanks to Shepard Audio for providing our intro music.